Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. This week we've got our top five most downloaded episodes from 2023. So we'll go through and give you some clips there. <clears throat> With me today are Bill Schaumber. Hey guys. Todd Schaumber. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Suck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. The bears still suck. They really, 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 really suck. Yes, the bears still suck. Bears do indeed still suck. Brings a smile to my face every time I hear that <laughs> song. They played Chippy in that game, which was both upsetting and awesome at the same time. So, because you could tell the Bears actually wanted it pretty bad. Yeah, and they didn't play like it, but they, they right. Won. I'm just saying they, yeah. Which for like no flags and how fast that game went. Was yeah, well, the first flag was in the third, third the qu- end yeah. of the third quarter. Yeah, and it was an offsides on. Rashawn Gary, right? Yeah. yeah. Which, and it got declined. Which was so, yeah. questionable when you look, because even, uh, I think it was Romo was like, eh, look like the, the lineman might have moved before. But. The left tackle for them moved. Yeah. I mean, it was like, he was on the other side, but the left tackle did move his foot. It was that whole Bakhtiari, remember, he always gets, but yep. it, he did move early and yeah. whatever. Now, I, <clears throat> I love... That both games this year, both the, you know the bookending the season with the Bears, was like this hype train of like it's our year, you know we're gonna be so good. Then they get like demolished, week one, week one, like ah, oh, and they, they they did improve though. So Packers are the youngest team in the league. Bears are like the third youngest, I think they said last night. <clears throat> but anyway, or not last night, but the night of the game. And same thing kind of leading to this game, like, oh, there's nothing to do in Green Bay Blue Life football. And, oh, this is this is it. Like, four, they've won four out of their last five. They're going to just be right in there. And, like, nope, nope, not so much. Scored three field goals. Yeah, it was, it was great. I, I hope they go into next season the same way, like, try to hype themselves up. They I, do every year. That's all they yeah. got. They got a quarterback problem, though. Like, oh, no, you don't. You got the... You got a number one pick. You pick another quarterback. Well, you do. Like, that's the problem. That's, is I think they're. That's good. not a problem. I don't get why they're that's even number like, one and number ten. I think this yeah, is what right. they figured. Yeah, so you so. pick a quarterback with your number one pick. You and do. Why is that a but, problem? I don't even understand. But like, some why, people are going to say, "Don't do that." Right? Like, why are you yeah, spending another? Like, that's your problem. What do you do with Fields? I guess you just put your tail between your legs. Trade him to the Raiders. Yeah. No. Just, or. Who else needs a quarterback? Trade him to Detroit. They're probably happy with theirs. He is a playoff quarterback. He is now, yes. Yes, can we officially say that Love has retained ownership of the Bears? <laughs> I, I think so. From Rodgers, that it was a successful transition, transition of ownership. He's, he still continues to just, when things are under pressure, he just like, I got it, guys. I'm going to take care of this. And the more it shows, of he had to sit behind a guy for three years and just not say anything, you know, crazy. Like, and he did it. He just, just 
kept getting better while he was waiting and that's amazing to me and even now during the season he's yeah he just seems calm cool collected he's not overly cocky or anything where you're like oh come on man just act like you've been there kind of guy he's he he does that my favorite tweet was a message to 2038 jordan love please don't get weird yeah, right yeah that is I saw yes. that. <clears throat> Yes, it is. It is early to say whether he'll get weird, he, yeah. which I'm sure he Lots will get time. weird. But at least he's starting out. Maybe not too crazy on the like the crazy good scale. So yeah, when the the, the stays, better you get, the crazier you get. Right, but. as long as he stays on the yeah, as good as crazy, then we're we're probably all right. But so you guys, I mean, I'm not too like the Cowboys are good, but we made the playoffs, which. You know, you go back beginning part of the year, you say that. That's first first year quarterback, first year starting, these wide receivers that are all babies basically, right? I mean Bo Melton, what? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was weird even like you'd be like, Oh, that's we were calling them the names of the numbers they used to be. Yeah. Like, oh, that's Donald, Donald Driver, Driver and you know, like in oh, who's who's the Robert Brooks guy again? Oh, that's Dobbs. Which you, it's like okay, I should yeah. know that one. But uh, the rest of them, you're just like calling them by numbers of who they used to be. Because probably like, not Jane Reed young. though, because I don't think we're calling him Ty Detmer. No, Detmer eleven. Yeah, there's not been many. Yeah, oh, he's like, so good. I, yeah, I mean, for a young, for the youngest team to ever make it to the playoffs. They are playing pretty well together. And that, I mean, took all season, really. I mean, they're 9-8, and eight, so obviously they had their fair shares of downs that went with the ups. But Well, and I've listened to a lot of Wayne Larrabee interviews this season, and he said multiple times, like, his stance is, this was never a linear, linear line, curve for Jordan Love for the Packers, like every week was just going to be incrementally better. There was going to be some ups and downs. One week wouldn't be as good as the you know in the next, and and we've definitely we went through what two stretches of like oh my god these guys aren't good, and then they'd find a way to you know like we said beat the Lions, beat the Chiefs, and then they couldn't get Tommy DeVito on the ground, right? You know, and then they kind of bounced back and really didn't play good against the. Panthers, who are bad, and then just hammered the Vikings. So it's been this; it has been this up and down. Yeah, it seems like whenever, whenever one side, you know, the offense was on, the defense was on at the same time, but never when one was having a bad game was the other really that much better. Like if one was down, it seemed like both were down for some reason. It just was kind of a weird combo. But it, it did go hand in hand with injuries right. as well. There were a lot you of know, injuries, like yep. Aaron Jones being hurt can pretty much and just. All of the above, and what I can lose that offensive line. How good that offensive line is is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. they're unbelievable. They they even did something I've never seen offensive line do, where you kind of traded time. Yep. Like that's not like they always talk about having the offensive line. Oh, you need like, you need you them need, consistent. To, yep, they got to gel and be those guys and always there. And these guys they moved around like it was nothing, and yep. it's 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 unbelievable. And and old lines one that. Nobody talks about it all, and they probably should be the you know like that's. It's that's good when you, you don't talk right, about correct. them. Correct, right? true, true. Because then you're a turnstile if you're talking about them. 
Yeah, if there were doubts at the beginning of the season that we went in the wrong direction, I think that game pretty much cancels them out because we went into the last season with our Hall of Fame quarterback, all the weapons he took with him to <laughs> New York. <laughs> that aren't playing now. <clears throat> and you think of that part, I didn't even think of that. They played the right. same like, game right. and won and this won. time. That, that was another I, like, like um, tweet I saw. Andrew Brandt's a big. he was a Packer capologist, and he does a lot with money, and he talks about that on Twitter about, and I think he said the Jets wide receivers are like 15 million or something, and the Packers, no, it was the two guys that, so Cobb, Cobb and, and Lazard, they're paying like 15 million, and every Packers wide receiver put together is only seven and a half. Yeah, you don't think of how much Rodgers did us a favor by pulling all them old dudes out and making it easy. You know, like right. usually it's hard, like a like a Randall Cobb. Like he's been here forever. We, you know, you, those are guys that are hard. You don't want to dispense of when you when they done so much for an organization. But we, man, that was we even had a really twice. lucky clean house that way. Yeah, because he was gone, gone and, and come back, he came and back because yeah. Rodgers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that and they're making plays too, like. All of them, Wicks and Heath yeah, he, and, and he spreads the ball out to all them guys. Yeah. Even the tight ends, Kraft looked very good. You know, he just looks like a legit, like a real tight end that yeah. we have now yep. again. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. All right. So today we're going to talk top five most downloaded episodes of 2023, and we're going to start at number five. So number five this year is the Mind Your P's and K's, which, Matt, we always get compliments on the uh, naming of these. And, yes, I can... It's all you. I, uh, yes, <laughs> it's all Matt. And, honestly, I think enough of the downloads are actually contrib- contributed to, like, how clever the name is seems to... Yeah. Seems to get... Um, so, yes, it, and, and N2, it was episode 174, and kind of we talked about different obviously things to do with um fertilization of phosphorus potassium and nitrogen and kind of how they go hand in hand and the this first clip we got is just sort of where where to start when you're thinking about your fertility program yeah so how are you how are you managing that it's a lot of questions lot, yeah, there are a lot, a lot of questions out there, man. Whoa. That was, <laughs> it's a complicated <laughs> issue it really is so variable rate usually you know, what are you guys doing on farms? If somebody says, I want to variable rate my fertilizer, where do you start? I, I think you're bringing up a very good point, though it isn't, it's, a, it's very much a journey right. along that. It is not a, it is not just, and when they use the word fertility program, the word programs quite well too, because there's, there's a whole plan in with it and where you're trying to get to, what your goals are, what you want to do. So I, I agree with you is what your question here is, where do you start? And probably the easiest way is just make sure you just start with soil tests. Start with five-acre grid soil tests. Start somewhere that you can, um, you know, platform up probably two-and-a-half to five-acre grid soil test is a good start because then you know basically where you're at. Like, that's just creating a baseline is really all your soil test is doing. This is what we've done. It's a journey. Don't stop believing in your journey. So yes, that's where kind of where to start. Like we said, it was always soil testing, and I, I think we'll go back to that. You know, we 
we like soil testing for a lot of reasons, and one of them is it's a good place to start. Yeah, and even the how often you're testing and how consolidated the tests are within the field has an impact on how you're going to do that variable rate. So it is a very important component. And then we seem to kind of, I don't want to say go off the rails into N, but kind of more into nitrogen. So next two clips are going to kind of talk more specifically on... We like to get off the rails. I, well, and, you know, yeah. yes. <laughs> Going off the rails <laughs> on a fertilizer train. <laughs> there you go. Potash corp on the side <laughs> of the train. Just right yeah so yeah that'd, that'd be a big derail the last train i saw with potash cars it would be very big derailment so yes this one is about nitrogen is the x factor oh like and they don't say that but you know what i mean like it's i shifted her down because it was yellow there and i'm always like okay got it there, there's my variable rate recommendation yeah, for nitrogen right, on corn right. yeah and i think that's the whole point of this is that N is kind of still an X factor. That there's ways of measuring it and different things, but it's whether you're eyeballing it or just flat rating it, there's not really a, a good answer to how, how well it works when you do it X, Y, and Z way. And even like granular, like a couple of years ago, they had a, like an N program too where they would, they had their formulas and they plugged in the weather data and what you had already applied, whether it's commercial or manure or whatever. Yeah, like adapt in and yeah, all those and just like nitrogen how, models. Yeah. yeah, and like we actually found on a couple of farms that you could get really good yields without adding more. Like it actually was showing the opposite. Like don't go back out there. Like use this tool to hold your horses, if you will, and not just go. Hold your horses, Bill. Hold them. Yeah, nitrogen so many different ways to skin that cat and weather is still the was, ultimate factor i was gonna say matt we found this year that um with the lack of rain how much nitrogen was not lost how much nitrogen we kept and how different it can be from year to year so it's really it's so hard to predict right yeah yeah and that bodes well into the next part we talked about nitrogen use efficiency so Basically, what you're saying, Bill, is true of what, how, maximizing how we use that nitrogen in the end use efficiency or NUE. There's when you're, when you're working on your fertility program of okay, I'm going to do this because I don't have time, but I have to know that it may, there may be issues I have to deal with, or I may have to rethink how many applications I'm going to make, especially with nitrogen, to make this work effectively and then the last thing i want to touch on was nitrogen use efficiency and fertility uh, we just saw john jones from uw kind of talking about some of that and so looking at what he had for managing p and k and how it, it can relate is that building your soil test p and k so having good soil test values might be a good priority because it can maybe help with nitrogen use efficiency. And so that's something that, um, you know, we'll keep looking at, but it's interesting to see that that connection of low fertility may mean that your nitrogen use efficiency suffers too because the pl how the plant's reacting, how the what's available as far as nutrients for the plant and how it processes all that through the system. That's very helpful. All right, yeah, so <clears throat> I think that's still... 
TBD on that side of things from, you know, we haven't seen anything new, obviously, since the beginning of last year when we were talking about that. But, um, yeah, nitrogen use efficiency, <clears throat> NUE, is big talk, uh, talking point in a lot of, a lot of academic circles and agronomy circles, so it's something we're going to keep looking at and keep trying to improve. I think, May, you made a good point with that of John Jones's research of how when you look at nitrogen use efficiency, you look specifically at nitrogen and all the timings, but there's so many other factors what this is saying of, like you say in the title, mind your P's and K's too, of that is important to get all those factors figured in. Then we kind of finished off the episode talking about band or broadcast and just some of the the differences we see if you're going to band the fertilizer or broadcast. So we'll jump in on, on that clip right now. Your brother with a gas can is not usually work as well. Like your fuel pump is out. Like right. You're, you're, there's times where, yeah, we can get the end in there and do it, but not all the time. Yeah. All right, so... Other thing to consider when you're looking at your fertility program, banding. Are you going to ban the fertilizer, broadcast, um, ban some, broadcast some? How are you managing that? And, you know, and Matt, I think that banding question, does that change the price of fertilizer? Because I had a lot more people discussing banding nitrogen. When banding, fertilizer was high. When fertilizer was high. Sure. To try to get more efficient use of it. No, we should anyway because it's all expensive all the time. But what I like is the technologies for banding have become. We got way. I mean, some planters have two options to band. You know, infertile right. and citrus, and it yep. just, we've just expanded that like greatly, which is good. Um, we've done a lot of things to up the technology there, and I think tillage matters too. When you're when you talk about no-till and stratification. With banding, you're probably mitigating some of that if you're having issues compared to broadcasting on top all the time. Yep. So tillage is an important thing, and that's with broadcast. Is it opt on top or up front? You know, even if you are incorporating for P and K, great. But when it comes to, again, that nitrogen factor, you know, maybe treating that N, even if you are going to work it in a little bit, just to make sure you've got some down the road. Is it three? I can't believe I didn't make a bandwagon joke there. Or something. <laughs> nice. Fails. Uh, you were off your game that my, day. My yeah. dad joke game was not on that day. Dang it. Uh, but yeah, no, I think, I don't think anybody would be like, oh, no, you should never band your fertilizer. But it's obviously, there's more components to just like, oh, I want to band my fertilizer. It's not like, I oh, just do it. There's infrastructure and the planter and everything else that has to go into it. So, But that's a good, yeah, we will jump off that bandwagon and jump into our next uh, number four most downloaded episode was Biological N or Bugs in Jugs. And that was episode number 173. And here we talk kind of the, it was sort of a mixed bag of biologicals. And one, one hard part with this episode was it was, Actually, hard to find highlights. It, not to say that it was a, there wasn't anything like it was all just it was too all. Good. It was just all good. good. It was all good. It was all good. It was all kind of just like, yeah, just kind of. Especially, we did talk about too of like how new this technology is, and how probably that 
that episode's not going to age as well because all of a sudden, you know, five years from now, we'll be like, well, yeah, that that one that didn't work or this works or you know, we'll learn from from it. But um, some of the things we did talk about were very specific to some of the project products. So this first one is um, talking about Utricia and how like certain ones of these can do very specific things in their modes of action and how Utricia more can help doesn't necessarily make good corn better it helps bad corn so this is one of the highlights we'll, we'll I'll hit the play button right now maybe maybe I hit the play button it doesn't want to work Making bad corn good <laughs> is better than making good corn, corn good. I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, if it's good corn, it's already good. No, Ant Man was that big of a deal. It's Paul Rudd, so he's good. I mean, I like Paul Rudd. Paul, yeah, and the the wasp right is with him. Yes, and this one or not? his girlfriend is the wasp. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought it was Phoebe. Is <laughs> no, no, we're not going. Not yet. <laughs> it's not way yet. yet. It's way back. You're too soon. Too, too soon, soon on that. TV buffet. Um, All right. So where does, did they say where Utricia lives? Yep. Like, so then Utricia is, because it's foliar, it go it tr- translates into the plant through stomates. Yeah. I had to think a minute, but now once you started saying, I remember. And they colonize the shoot. So Utricia will colonize the shoots and feeds off methanol. Okay. So it's not creating a vesicle like in Vita, but it, it too is going in the plant. It's just, yep. it's translating into the plant from being a foliar through the stomates and then colonizing the different, like the shoots of the plant. So that one you could tell we, it, it was very technical and then into the weeds. We did get off track on that one a little bit talking uh Ant Man, yeah. <laughs> so, had to start off with some Ant Man reference, but um, yeah, kind of a very, very specific episode in that it, we got right into the weeds of each each product. Well, I think it's it's getting used to the idea of thinking of nitrogen in a different way with these some of these products. So, talking specifically Utricia Invita in that clip, like. <clears throat> they do similar things, but they do them differently. And that that can be kind of a head-scratcher of like, okay, but the goal is the same, like to provide nitrogen, but it's it's going in a different place in the plant with each product. Right. So the next clip we kind of talked about basically adding these to the tank and what, is, what does that mean and how do we not apply a lot of dead bugs once, longer it's it could work once but you're the long rescue situation you're probably too late yeah right? you've had the biological breakdown already right right it is yeah it's broken yes like you could yeah. do it but you're better off like you should have thought ahead to, to yeah. do that before okay. and not have your biologicals broken down already yeah what was, what was interesting to me when we talk about the foliars so the invita and the utricia was i ate lunch with the, the guys from invita and asked about tank mix partners Yep. And Utricia, they in their presentation covered this. Um, so both did not. Utricia did have a, like a list of tank mix partners, but 
basically what they both said was kind of the same, and that was that it should get sprayed within an hour of being added to the tank. So basically you don't want it in there. So don't put it in first and don't <laughs> let the tank sit forever. Go have your lunch first. Have your lunch, then mix it. Yeah, and obviously they're living biological things and putting them in a mix of chemicals may affect their living portion of that biological right, right. thing. No, a good way to know they won't work is to apply dead bugs. That's a yes. really good, easy way to know it's not going to work. So, yeah, I thought that was an interesting take on it. And our, our final clip from that episode talks about Utricia and Invita and basically how it also helps with water use efficiency. So kind of that there's some of these advantages that we don't think of and a few other things. So we'll start the clip. Um, and what I thought was interesting, I think for kind of a last point before we, we move on, and Bill, I don't know what you thought of this, but I think it was both Utricia and Invita mentioned like advancing growth stage. So instead yeah. of staying, instead of stay green, it actually seemed like they matured faster. Yeah. Oh, because that was one of the questions was like, oh, so like fungicide keep us green longer where right. these don't. And they both said, yeah, it, it actually, like the, if you took growth stage at the same point in a treated versus non, the treated would actually be further, further along. along. And nutrition even. Why? Like, why? Magic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I just learned. <laughs> the Envita guy talked about like more, f- like I think it just promotes more the growth and the sure. plant health and just and he pr- he promoted more morphology benefits of the okay. the actual physical benefit there. And nutrition, what I had in my notes that I, that stuck out to me, they did a, a study in the Central Sands here in Wisconsin, and they saw uh, using. NDVI maps uh, <clears throat> reduced moisture in the plants, but better health. So it was dr- the plant was drier, but also healthier, which was kind of interesting. Sure, so it's more water use efficient. Yes, the, and that, that's that one was, thing we haven't talked about at all. And they all talked about yeah. oh, they are water yeah, use like efficiency. Yeah. Water use efficiency. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that ever. Yeah in these presentations on these. Yeah. So they they all make the plants more water use efficient. You don't have to cry on Invita. <laughs> Truth is, it's water use efficient. Or, or black magic, either one. Or black magic, yes. Is it black? Does it have to be black magic? I don't know, it's the song. Black uh, magic. Black magic, yes. No, it, it's still a very interesting part of agriculture that we're, you know, in the early frontiers of and... Obviously, there's a lot to consider when looking at these things. So, you know, the next question would be, okay, what if, if I apply both in vita and a fungicide, what does that do? Sure. Like, does it cancel each other out? <laughs> does it actually, like... You know, yeah, you're right, man. Of Like, there's a lot more things going... Like we just talked about with the P and the K and the changing of N, you also have biologicals and how do they affect other things within yeah. that. So that's a good point. So yeah, that wraps up our number four episode. So number three most downloaded episode was our special interview episode with Jeff Polinsky. Who's that? So none other than... Seems the, familiar. The one, the only. Yes. The myth, the man, the legend. 
This this one was great listening back to actually because it's just because well, Jeff I'm, is just you know he he makes for good radio. He's just he's still got it. He's really good and yeah, it was just good to kind of we talked a lot of different things and these highlights are going to be kind of how we got to start and then some scouting stories. But I think just the relationship there, the fact that I mean you. I have the probably the least of the three of us relationship with Jeff and I still feel very close to Jeff and yes, you know, it's, I think that makes it just so much easier to talk to him. Todd has the most, by the way, yeah. I, I win or you win. win. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cause you, well, you were like, but Todd 15 when you met him. Yeah, right? no, I was, I was basically like 18 that, on mom and dad's kitchen table and he came to meet with being a summer scout. And I mean, he was one of those guys that like every, he, he was close with everybody. That was, what was cool about him. And that's, what's cool about him still. He's just a really genuine deep down good guy. So you can't, you cannot, yeah, there would be another, like he broke the mold. We've been, we've been waiting to, till today to tell you, but based on your 23 and me, Jeff is your father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is the. This is the. This is, this is your intervention. <laughs> I don't know if that's that the right word, but Jeff was always great because he had has three daughters, so you always felt like one of his sons. That he, you know, any any he, he would never ever say that he wanted sons. If that's the way to say it, too. No, he, he was he always loves all his daughters. With, yes, they're all. He's yeah. like perfectly good with that, especially because he has all granddaughters as well. Yeah, like it just keeps going. Just, yep. Yeah. So no, this was another one hard to find like highlights. So kind of leaned on kind of how Jeff got his start and um, some of the other scouting stories towards the end that he talked about. So this first clip is basically how Jeff found crap consulting. So he, you know, just a lot of people ask like, where do you even hear about this? Or how do you hear about this? So this first clip is Jeff talking about, about getting his, finding out about crop consulting sat in the egg library in madison and and i opened up a book one day a magazine and there was consultants that were doing this for a living down in georgia and mississippi and i said that is what i want to do and i worked toward that took classes and then later mentored todd when he was with me and telling him what classes to take that i thought were pretty specific to that and then when I got out in the fields, um, continuing to learn and continuing to take classes, you know, while I was working during the summertime and different times to uh, improve some of my skills and and learn and then bring some of those ideas. Hey, so-and-so down in Mississippi is trying this or so-and-so up in northern Minnesota is trying this and, and um, you know, giving ideas to think out of the box a little bit and do something different. And it's, Remember it's, what made I think that says a lot about Jeff right in that clip of he's never been shy about sharing his knowledge and talking to us about, you know, hey, you know, have you considered this or look at this? And it's it's what made him a really great consultant and <clears throat> helped us all, I think, be better at what we do. So it's wild to me that he found it through just some random magazine. That's just great to me. <laughs> that would be cool to have a copy of that magazine and know <laughs> what the article even said or who, you know, who they obviously must have interviewed somebody that, that did it. And then, yeah, you go, Oh, that, that would be cool. And, and yeah, that's how he got his start. 
this next clip kind of goes into what Matt was talking about and kind of how Jeff got started and kind of formed a community a group, you know, of, of with his clients and kind of with him and pooled knowledge and, and that kind of thing. So here's the, the next clip about getting started. It was the hardest part about starting your own business. You know, like Todd mentioned, you worked for Central, so you were under someone else's umbrella when you started, but then you said, hey, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would say the hardest part is always the unknown when you're working with people and, and you're dealing with the public and, and how the public perceives you. And uh, so I, I tried to live by the old principles that I um, have always lived with, and that's um, first, number one, be a good listener. Um, find out what kind of problems uh, they're facing in the past, what kind of problems that hopefully I can solve. And A number one is um, I always told, especially like some of the older farm, the very older farmers that I worked with was, hey, you know your farm better than I do. I'm coming on your farm for the first time and I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to listen, to learn on things that have worked well for you, things that have not worked well for you, and then, and then apply my skills and look and see and then give ideas to you. Sometimes too many ideas um, and not just, well, just tell me what to do. It's just several solutions as to how I can solve a problem or, or what's going on in a, with a particular pest, uh, be it a disease, an insect, a weed, and then seeing what goes from there. But more film, forming more of a team thing where uh, bouncing ideas off of, and then also using the old thing where, hey, this worked on so-and-so's farm. Oh, you're working with them too, yeah. And we had this work, and um, maybe you want to try that too. But developing more of a community thing where um, it, we, can, we can see what's happening there and then other farmers looking at us and thinking, why are they doing that? And, um, and if we weren't getting that kind of response, then I said, oh, something was wrong because we wanted to be out there doing something new and exciting and trying something different and and that always went over pretty well that was like one of the like when i started in 04 here that was one of the first things i ever remember having a conversation with jeff about is like the farmer knows their farm better than you do like you know him and i'd be driving in the truck all day long scouting fields and we'd just talk about what's going on in our day and i remember that specifically like him saying that a lot like i'm not they know their farm i'm just here to help guide, listen, bring new ideas. And he was, was really good at that. And we all know the conglomerate of clients he had and how close together they were. And like, that could be like a bad thing, right? Cause they're all in competition, but he was able to, to, to mold that business so that everyone could get along and there was no hard feelings. There was no like any badness going on. He just, it was always cool to watch that. Yeah, absolutely. I think his his ability to work with a number of different personalities, like it's one thing to go and talk. There's we all have those easy farmers to talk to where you go in and you're like you could lose hours just sitting with them. But not every farmer is necessarily going to be that way. And being able to work with a number of different personalities, different farms, different size farms, even getting different size farms to work together in some cases it can be a challenge and he, he rose to that challenge yeah our next clip is jeff kind of thinking the farmers and thinking just yeah kind of thinking and reflecting back on on his career as an agronomist 
I just remember a story where I swear you filled a planter for a guy that may or may not have had an IV in his arm while <laughs> he was Not the planter. Planting. The farmer had the IV. Yeah, farmer had the IV in. <laughs> in yeah. <laughs> I could go on for an hour so, here plan- about the intensity. We're talking planners. How um, farmers are intense. And um, I've had people fall out of silos or fall down in 60 feet into a silo, climb up out of the silo, haul two loads of manure before they tell their wife that they need to go to the hospital if they've got a, a broken back in a couple of spots. <laughs> or farmers that have actually, like you said, an IV in their arm because they just got out of the hospital after some surgery or whatever, and they're going to go plant 60 acres tomorrow. They weren't. They weren't. That is And just the phone call they make to say, hey. um, Can you bring a couple more bags out for me? I I just can't move anymore. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) what are you doing out there? (laughs) But, I mean, and then that shows the dedication to what the American farmer does to our public that doesn't really appreciate farmers like they should Is, is the responsibility that they take to to get their job done and yes it's for their family but ultimately it's for the american public so and like you say sack like i always laugh at that story (laughs) that's just and we we all know the farmer he's talking about and we know the intensity that guy had and the passion he had for farming so it just it's awesome that that same farmer if you remember bill like would call Jeff at the most random oh, times. Yeah. And one of them happened to be when he was basically receiving an award, a national <laughs> award yep. in Minnesota, right? in Minnesota. Yeah. And we're all there and, you know, and Jeff gets this call and takes it. And then it's like, I'm, you know, I got to go. I'm getting an award, you know, a national award. And the guy was very nice, you know, like, Oh my God. Yeah. Go get your award. But it just, yeah, he, he had a way of, you know, and like you said, he's attributing to the, the hardworking of the farmer, but Jeff also, you know, was was a very hardworking side by side with these guys, helping him wherever he could. Yeah, I think we share that appreciation of the farmers we work with and what they do, and you know, not going to get into who's got the toughest job in the world, but farming is a pretty robust and demanding job, and give a lot of credit to those guys that are out there doing it so yeah our final clip from jeff was talking scouting stories and i mean we could have gone on forever on that one probably that could have been a whole episode yeah, yeah. But still it, it was, still needs to be at some point. <laughs> someday yep and though like we did do pretty much the highlights of the highlights though when we're talking scouting stories which was great so just got one to kind of finish up in and talk about uh some fun scouting stories. What do you think? And he goes, I explained what was going on. And he goes, and like you just mentioned, the, the air went out of him a little bit. And he went, oh, my gosh. He goes, you know, normally I, I have a, a bead, if that's what you call it, in the city. He goes, and they had me out here in the country <laughs> for my first time. And there's some strange stuff going on. Oh, the word stuff instead of the S word. And, and um, so, you know, we... At the end, we had a little bit of a chuckle with it, but at, at the beginning, no, it was especially not in the middle really there, funny. you're probably going like, "What are you accusing me of? Some kind of prostitution <laughs> ring or something?" Yeah. And so, you know, very strange. His gun on me. Yes. Exactly. So, how many incidents of oh, a lot cop of inter- interaction yeah. did you have? And you guys can add some of the animal <laughs> stories. I mean, we can go on for hours I, about animal stories, and you know, we start telling some of our farmers about that. It's like, 
why aren't you guys carrying sidearms with you and whatever? And we thought about it, but you know, some people like to shoot some things sometimes that we probably shouldn't. And, and so it's like, you know, maybe that's not a good idea either. But we've had bears with people flying across the field to get a, that black bag that's going in there so it doesn't get in the hay bind or, um, or some kind of harvest equipment, whatever. And then all of a sudden that, that big black bag gets up and stands on all back <laughs> legs and no, that's about a 400-pound bear. And then the four-wheeler quickly swirls around the other way. And we've had, uh, Bill, you can talk about the real quick, about the instances way up north with the uh, the little puppy doggies that puppy came dogs. Yeah, yeah, we had a scout that um, just, we're like north of Krivitz, middle inlet, like Masaki, boom, you know, boondocks. And farthest field that I would have had to the east, northeast, way up there put a scout on a field i think it was soybeans he was just driving around and all of a sudden he saw a little puppy in the field and then saw another little puppy in the field and they kept coming up to him and waves. yeah and then the third puppy and he's like oh that's you know kind of odd this is getting strange right and then like literally a couple minutes later he's driving and and he sees mama wolf just bounding right over the fence line right at him and the unfortunate part is he was like all by himself so no one else can verify that this story was actually real <laughs> but knowing where it was and i believe him because he was pretty white when i picked him up he got back to the back to the road and i think she gathered her little pups and they they went off but i worry more about wolves than i do bears really yeah. i mean i had an encounter with a bear too and you just kind of scare them and they run right but some of those animals hunt in packs, and, and I had a, a very burly, tough guy that maybe on a little edge uh, scout was a little bit chauvinistic even at times and thinking this is a man's world kind of thing and just, you know, just a, sort of a tough guy. And we started out in the morning, and I put him in a field. Again, the corn is over his head. And um, he was in the field, and I came back and um, came back to the car, and, and I said, hey, what's the matter? And he, because you you're just white. He goes, I've never been so scared in my life. I said, what? You're, you're in a 10 acre field. What, what could scare you? <laughs> he goes, I was halfway in the field and I heard something behind me and you, you hear things in corn and some people get very claustrophobic and nervous in there, especially scouts the first time. But this guy had been around a while with me and um, then he heard something in front of him and pretty soon he realized it was a pack of coyotes and they thought he was a deer. Mm. And there was at least 12 of them and they had circled him and they were moving in thinking they had an easy kill of a deer. And then they realized he was a human and they took off. But um, yeah, that was, that was very scary to, to this gentleman. That would be scary to be surrounded by, <laughs> by coyotes. <laughs> okay. Yes. But by wolves too. But yeah, it, yeah, you always hear those noises in cornfield and you're like, what, what was that? You do. And you go like, what? Yeah. Like, does the farmer have a dog? Like, my near house? Is it a dog? Is it a deer? Bear? You know, your mind can really... It can really chase, can it? Like, oh, just, yeah. just can... swarm with the things of someone stalking you to aliens to... <laughs> you know, and Jeff would have started pre... You know, you didn't have a cell phone. No. I mean, you maybe had a bag phone in your <laughs> truck to start. And, yeah, just that of him talking about the days of with pagers and you know, how they'd get paged and they'd go listen to their messages twice a day and things like that. So, yeah, just to even doing crop plans on the hood of the truck and yep. just things like that where you're, 
kind of a a really neat era to be a crop consultant in. So, yeah, it was one of I I you know when we talk Tilt Talk Radio and all the episodes we ever did like that. There's ones that you just really enjoyed, and man, that one I don't know for I think for the three of us is probably all of our fairly high number one most favorite episode just to, to helped with to bourbon to too yeah yeah no it was a lot of fun sitting in jeff's kitchen or dining room and yeah just sitting down with him and talking talking shop for a while no, special thanks cool. to him so yeah the next uh so we're down to number two the most downloaded episode of 2023 is a special interview from dr john gazer so this one was um episode 180 and kind of talked about some synergies with agronomy and nutrition. So um, Dr. Gazer is a nutritionist, so kind of talked about um, trying to bring him in and talk a little bit more where where things align and, and how we can kind of work together to help the farm. Does that really net us the best in, in return per acre? Maybe not. Maybe not. So sitting down as a team with uh, the agronomist, seed consultant, crop consultant, and nutritionists, that, that's where our, our dairy producers need to get to. I, agree, I do some of those meetings, and they're always very good, need to do more. And even, like, in some of them, they'll start to realize, like, what the nutritionist wants is not, like, hey, we're going to cut every 25 days and do this. Right. And then we go through maybe why we can't do that on that particular farm or why we can. And so it is a good way to come to actually an agreement of what what we want to do, what the goal is for the farm. I obviously don't have the uh, years in that you do at this point yet, Todd or Matt, but I've noticed just in the short time that I've been doing this that the meetings have gotten more grouped together. We, yeah. It used to be you met with the farm your, yourself, and then they would play a game of telephone back to the rest of the support staff. And now we're getting meetings where it's the farm manager, the nutritionist, the vet, the banker, the agronomist, the like put it all together, the custom guy. Let's instead of playing a game of telephone and ended up with three different messages going everywhere. Let's just kind of blend this, when and I that's first, helped. So what you, yeah, I think that's important in any profession and any time is to network with all the people involved as much as you can and keep that line of communication open. So it's always good to to have that team aspect because you're all working towards the same goal in general when it comes to profitability and success of the farm so so then we did get into um john talking about kind of the the real promising direction of agriculture and kind of this hopeful direction and it was just a good thing to to listen back at that message for more sustainable practices for for their their commodities milk meat cheese etc to be sustainably sourced to know where the food's coming from and if if anybody's been paying attention to some of the local news i mean we've seen what some of the dutch farmers uh, have been faced with from a, a federal regulation standpoint and this wasn't anything that we set up to talk about today but as far as where do i see agricultural uh trends going i think there's going to be producers from outside the united states coming into the united states and we're going to be a hotbed uh, in terms of agricultural uh, practices and, and moving the industry forth and i'm excited about agriculture and, and where we're going there's going to be consolidation so if we drill in and, and we look at within the united states we're going to continue to see consolidation because we are in large part a capitalist society which i think is awesome we're, we're driven and and motivated by uh, financial returns which we should be and so we'll talk about that maybe with regards to how we manage uh, the field through the feed bunk 
But we're going to see consolidation because margins are tight and negative. And so as we get a little bit bigger, we've got a little bit more leverage in terms of our buying power and, and we can work with some of the best and brightest out there. Hopefully I, someday I can be one of those. In uh, and, and here in the upper Midwest, uh, where I see agriculture going is, uh, I hope today we can talk a little bit about uh, crop protection, healthy plants. We're, we're seeing some trends in our corn silage the last couple of years. So a little bit different nutritional characteristics that you know, in 2021, I thought were just sort of an anomaly coming out of the growing season, unique growing season. Well, we saw them again in 2022. And so uh, I think we're going to see a little bit different corn silage product that we have in our silos and bunkers and piles, et cetera, that, that we're going to be working around. And that's going to create new opportunities, I think, in some other areas. So uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about where we're at in agriculture. Uh, the demand for animal protein isn't going away. Uh, and if anything, I think it's increasing. And, and I think the United States and, and us in the upper Midwest, where Mother Nature blesses us with uh, adequate moisture to grow our crops and feed our animals, I'm really excited about where we're going. Yeah, you, you said a lot there. A little bit of irony in the adequate moisture category <laughs> from last year, but... Uh, it's a one-year blip, Matt. One yeah, it was... Blip. That one's hard to... Yeah. It was early enough of the year. I it think. wasn't our weather guy, so you can't... Right. Can't blame <laughs> him for that. And then we did get into kind of just the specifics of um, some more... Basically, some more specifics on nutrition and corn silage specifically, especially for how much corn silage is fed and the nutrition of that and kind of how what we're seeing with the stock and cob and how they're drying down differently. And I, I would say this two held a little bit into 23, but maybe not as much as say 22 and 21, but it was still there. And, and we saw this phenomenon in the field. So I'll start the clip. Yeah. Instead of having a uniform, like, hey, the whole plant is at the right moisture, we now have something that's probably too dry and something that's probably too wet. And when you put them together, that's, that's we're getting so the- well said, Max. That's so well said. And and when I when we saw this in twenty one, I saw that our moistures were okay, but our starch digestibility, which is the hardness, right? We we're seeing less digestible starch in some of our lab tests, and that's become a focal point in in rumen and dairy nutrition because we don't just feed for a certain amount of grain in the diets anymore. We've gotten a little bit more precise, and we can actually feed for the amount of digestible starch if you can believe Mm. that that's something we're formulating on and so as we have less digestible starch in our corn silage we're having to push harder and push higher grain levels to get to the same level of digestible starch think about it like uh, if if you got a really crappy fuel economy so i I drive a beautiful ram right and i just got an eco diesel a couple of months ago so my fuel economy is great but when you balance fuel economy with tank size you kind of get to your destination at maybe a similar level i can get there with less fuel so i need less less of a tank maybe my analogy is kind of falling apart here but we're doing something similar yeah i think we've all seen differences in how corn matures and harvesting and feeding and the starch question is something that's been brought up a number of times i think over the last couple of years by different farms and trying to find the right way to to meet that need without drastically changing what we're doing no one wants to buy extra corn right to bring your starch levels up so you can get to a point where your corn solid is providing that why wouldn't why wouldn't we all strive for that it is amazing to we've talked about how alfalfa's falling off a little bit and just the dominance of corn. And then you look at how well it is yields-wise, quality-wise, all that stuff. It's it's pretty amazing that that corn silage product now, and I think John is would would agree with that of just the the amount of work he does now on specifically to corn silage 
in in the the lengths we we talked a lot in that whole podcast about corn silage. That was kind of the the you know a, a big part of it. So to round things up in our list, so for our number one most downloaded podcast of 2023 is what makes a good planter operator. It was episode 182. And here we kind of talked uh, some highlights of what we've seen kind of makes a good operator, you know, the, the what, what that person does, the qualities, the, you know, the attributes, all that stuff. Is this, this one surprising to you guys? Do you remember this episode or? No, I remember when we did it and I think it's, it was all good information on planning out how plant, you know, if we screw up planting, it's a whole chain of issues that run throughout the season. So we, we want to do our best job at that time. And I think a lot of farmers share that, ask their, that idea that planting is important. And they can relate to it, right? Like, right. The, this was also released like in April, right? Yeah. When, like literally, I don't know how many people, like you're probably planting, hopefully enough, the guys are planting, listening to this. And maybe at the time laughing, being like, yeah, that's stupid. Or, well, that's interesting. Or what, you know, what, but all how of they these, can relate. All of these items, because I believe, Todd, you wrote the episode. I believe all of your items were something you ran into. Yes. Like a like a, a farmer, like this is what they did and didn't work. Or right. it, it worked well because he was calm, cool, and collected when all the buttons and buzzers and bells were going off. And It, it isn't something either you think, like, on the farm, there's some key guys and key timings, all that. And not to say you don't think of planting as that, but we all do know planting as that, and we got to put more emphasis on it. So it was it was a good episode that way. And so we got the kind of five of the highlights here. The first one is just one of the things is that, that this person doesn't seem to ever get a good planter opera, doesn't seem to get, you know, they get tired but they're not overtired, and they seem to be able to kind of come through it okay. Zone here. Yep, you're right. You're right about that, Max. Number five is doesn't get overtired. So, and more so, like, you guys know those people that somehow can operate when they're a little tired yet, and there's people that just, when they're a little tired, is like they're a bear, you know. And so balancing that, too, of knowing when to stop, get rest so that the next day you can keep planning or because when you're tired I, you, things don't go well right make like, mistakes make yeah mistakes. well the safety you're, part really goes into yeah. that one i feel like yeah. really goes into that one so that's the first one that we talked about yeah i mean it's i think we all wish we were operated better when we were tired but <laughs> some people just have that knack the next knack is kind of this calm in the cab. So people that are able to sort of keep, like we just talked, if all hex breaking loose in that, they're able to know where the where the buttons are and, and what to do. So what this has to do with is just those guys that in the cab, know, you know, if, a, if a, something starts beeping at them or something breaks or goes wrong, there's a little bit, you need that little bit of panic to stop something, obviously. But not all panic, that it's sort of this calmed, okay, yep, I, this beeps at me. I know what that beep means. I hit, you know, do this, this, and this. And you guys have probably seen those guys that more so what I get is like the opposite where, you know, something's going wrong and they can just, 
you know, they're almost like have this nervous. Gra- yeah, this nervous of like, oh my god, what you know, what am I going to grab? And, and and granted, that might be because usually when I see it, like I'm riding with them in the cab, so maybe there's just there you're not calm because there's other people sort of watching. But it almost has this feel of like everything's riding on this, and they know that because um, this is literally like the Super Bowl of your crops. Like it is a big deal to get these in right. And so you want those guys to know that it's a big deal, but yet not be so pressured to the world and kind of like, like, not like the fourth quarter bucks in the playoffs where they just totally implode. You, you want that guy. Or the Peyton Manning Denver Broncos the first time they went to the Super Bowl. would also be a good example of not great performance. Or the Falcons versus the <laughs> Patriots. Patriots, like. 23-point lead, what? <clears throat> so planting corn is like NASCAR. The Super Bowl is to start the year, not end the year. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point, too. Yeah. yeah. So this next attribute was not ignoring the monitor. Ignoring all their beeps because they know what it's meaningless. Or well, what you get into my next one, good. Oh, sweet. Number three is doesn't ignore the beeping monitor. <laughs> in that, like, I've been in ones where they, like, they literally almost... Anything that it beeps at them, they're just ignoring all, you know, like, sure. where if you're talking to them, maybe it's just, okay, yeah, I know that that one's not a big deal or this is a big deal, but having it set up where it's not just, like, I've just been there where they just don't set the the monitor right or anything right where it's always beeping at them. And I'm just like, no, because then if they're, it's like having the check engine light on in your vehicle and ignoring it. Like, oh, it's Putting fine. Putting a piece of tape over right. it. Right. Yeah. Like, think, oh, it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. Whereas, like, you got to know when, to, when it's not fine, maybe. And maybe right. they know that, which is good. Yeah. But, but, yes, you, you went into that one perfect, Bill, where you, you, you do got to, like, sort of go at, like, know when to stop and be like, oh, yeah, that, that isn't good. Or some of these monitors, like I said, just beep at them all the time. And you're like, dude, you got to set up your monitor different. Like, it shouldn't beep at you all the time. Well, yeah, row four is always just like that. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them. <laughs> yeah. Know when to walk away, know when to run. Yeah, there, there's such a thing as too calm in the cab. Like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. It'll beep. I always feel weird when I'm on the phone with them and I know they're in the cab because I can hear the beeps. Hear the beep. It's like, am I distracting you from something? Do you need to go and fix what's hell-breaking loose there in your monitor? Or, oh, no, I'm good, I'm good. Just We're good. Just let me turn around and it'll be fine. Yeah, this next one gets into when they need to get out and check things. You know, if the monitor's beeping at you... Knowing when to stop and getting out to check things. The opposite, like row 12, like... Right, or yeah, it's flipped, mirrored, yeah. yep. 13, whatever it would be on the other side. Yes. Yes. Number two, has a tiny bladder, gets out to pee a lot, checks corn seed depth a lot. So I don't want to... I hope you don't have a tiny bladder and have to pee a lot, but mainly the or point here... Or prostate issues, yes. which also would cause you to pee a lot. Mainly the point here the is... Is checking corn depth. I and not that the depth part. Or no, depth part is the number one. But a lot of times when you get out, you make make a lap around. You check kind of behind the planter. We got more cameras now on these. We got more monitors really to watch stuff. But there is still some about checking the depth, getting out and walking around. And I I I still say every field, but more so what I do say is as field conditions change. Yeah. Like, you might be going from a real sandy field to a more clay field, residue, you know, a drier field to a wet residue. residue. Just get out and check. And and my really good guys, they like, I'm out there trying to check with them, but they're checking as well as things change. And 
you're going to see then stuff and you just to me what i think gives you is that peace of mind in the cab we we literally I and mean, now we got new things that do have depth sense that'll put it to moisture and all that so they go oh, well it automatically just does it yeah but you still should check that to me that's yeah, I mean, we're there as much as we can be to help the, with those checks, but we can't be in every field every time you're planting. So, And we've caught stuff, right? We've all caught, like, oh, yeah. oh, hey, wait a minute, let's fix this. Or last year we had some, they were trying to no-till, and it was all on top, and it was a custom planter guy, and the farmer would have never caught it. So we got lucky that day, but, yeah. you. It, it amazes me how much we catch. That's where it goes. Some of the days it's like, oh, my gosh, like how is it just not going wrong all the time? Because it's like. And usually it's a lot of little things, but when you're planting, it's the little things that matter. So last big kind of key was uh, knowing, kind of knowing your planner. So we talked about that last one. I think these last two are pretty important is just getting out and checking things and then making sure you know your corn planner. Side was 20 and the other side was 40 and it's like... It's not like the old rabbit ears. You can't just put some foil on it and hope it well, does better. Bill's right. right with the new technology. Like back in the day, your guest row was as good as the guy driving. Right. And dad always yelled at the kid, you know, like, oh, I used to be better than you. Like, you got to get better. And now now that it's all in these computers, you're, you got to check these computers at times. Right. So, yep. Just those are the three things that I check and I instruct my scouts to check is depth ins and outs and the guest row making sure those three things are set that almost should be number one no you're taking Ooh. the no <laughs> so number one guys you ready for this it does tie into number one it does you're right so number one is knows how to work all the bells and whistles of the planner so when i say this is we're pimping out these planters we're adding you know this year it might be the bandit system or the conceals or the the whatever you want to call the new next best thing for all this stuff we're adding these planters, it's unreal. I mean, these are becoming cockpits of airplanes of all the switches you got to do. On As a kid, you used to like imagine yourself in the cockpit of a jet plane. <laughs> yeah, farmers can really be there, right? Where you got little plastic wings when you <laughs> got to go in the cockpit before takeoff. So yeah, it's I think. You know, <clears throat> planter operation, like we said, is, is very important, and there's a lot to know now on these new planters, and so it's, it it does take a, a pretty dedicated effort to know all the ins and outs and know what the beeps and whistles and screaming noises mean when you're, you're out there working. So, yeah, that's <clears throat> a great way to kind of leave off on our top downloaded episodes for this past year 2023 but you know what we peaked in 2021 guys this is our <laughs> it's all, all downhill all from here all-time most downloaded episode tar spotting october of 2021 our, that tar spotting episode is still getting like a crazy amount of, of downloads that i don't even know if somebody's just messing with us down i don't know no it just is Todd sits uh, home at night and downloads that episode <laughs> yeah, over. Just no, just the same. It, it's like destroyed everyone. And maybe that just goes to show how big of a... It was very timely at the time. Yep. And then tar spot's still a thing. So, so two just, things. We need to reboot it, right? Redo yeah, it again. We do, yes. Because that's no, not going on. Well, this year, it, just, it wasn't as much of an issue. So we no. didn't really need to. But, but, but yeah. 
I think the other thing too, the timeliness of it, like matches up. <clears throat> excuse me, with like soybean rust. If you like rewinded like fifteen years ago, like okay. it was the rage. Like I gained clients because they're like, yeah, I, somebody's got to scout for soybean rust. Like I'm gonna not have a farm the way this is being forecasted. So, yeah, so and I, our spot was like that. such a new thing. That yeah, I think yep. that's why. So no, I want to thank all the listeners, listeners out there. Please subscribe. Tell a farmer friend. Tell them to download and yeah, download the your favorite one multiple times so that it gets played on our on our best of twenty twenty three list. So it's really easy. Just search Tilt Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts or on Android. You can get an app like Podcast Addict or Podbean or Player FM or now we like Google Podcasts as well. You can also listen on a computer or smartphone browser. You go to tiltag.com slash podcast. And we're, you can follow us on Facebook and X at Tilt Talk Radio. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. Thank you for listening. And as always, happy farming.